This podcast is brought to you by PencilPay. Take your wholesale credit applications online, collect a billing method, and control when you get paid. Welcome to Product Hub. I'm your host, Tim Demetriou. Today's guest is Vicky Lyon. She's the founder of Sophisticated Cocktail Co., ready to drink premium cocktails. This podcast is a cracker. If you ever wanted to hear about a company that found a niche, had a plan, and backed it up with execution, here it is. Vicky comes from a marketing, advertising, and digital background, and her launch story will help you see why. She very generously provides real-life examples of how she created hype, then grew a customer base, then grew distribution. And her achievement in just 18 months of operation is staggering. You'll really enjoy this one. Perfect, perfect. Okay, so um, we'll just get kicking. So um, I'd love to find out, I saw that you, uh, and I could, uh, I can detect by your accent that you grew up in probably in, in South Africa. Um, That's right. Uh, tell me, um, how long were you there until and, and kind of what age, what age did you, did you pack up and leave? And I, and I, I saw in your LinkedIn profile, there was, there was a little bit of Italian influence for, for five years or so. There was a, a what influence? Italian influence. Did you work in, did you work over in Italy for five years? As no, well? but I worked for an Italian company. So, okay. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that um, makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I worked in um, South Africa, well, for about 10 years. And then we moved here when I was in my late twenties and mm-hmm. have been here ever since. Um, so most of my life, obviously growing up was in South Africa and um, been through the, all the change that the country went through, which mm-hmm. was an interesting time. And then, um, yeah, have moved here and this is now home. Where, and, you, uh, and you're based in Sydney? Yes, based in Sydney. So I moved straight to the beaches. Um, wanted to live um, on one of uh, Sydney's iconic beaches and we got to Manly and guess we've just never left. Very good. Good to hear. <laughs> um, and, then, and then it looks like you, had a, you, uh, you, you worked in corporate for a while when, <laughs> uh, when you arrived? Uh, absolutely. So um, my first... Um, experience I guess from when moving out of South Africa was we just started digital uh, marketing as something kind of fairly new at the time and when we moved here the industry was sort of just moving um, you know away from a lot of print and into the digital uh, platform space and so I came into the market at the right time and ended up working for very fortunately for the federal publishing company who owned um, Vogue magazine and Taste at Comdadeu and all of those amazing titles before they were sold to news. And so um, I got to work with the, um, the team that basically, yeah, we created the online versions of Vogue and uh, the combination of all their food titles, which became Taste at Comdadeu. And we were kind of instrumental in putting those um, digital platforms into the market. Huge shift. Mm, yeah, massive shift. Massive shift. I spent a lot of time in um, <laughs> in advertising, so it means a lot of R&D time. So there was plenty of time for me to find out uh, how many cocktails needed to go into what <laughs> what ingredients needed to be for what, and how much people really like to drink. Yeah, cool. And then you went into then you went into agency life and and spent yep. a little bit of time in your own marketing agency. Um, yep. How did you how did you find that? Yeah, so it was really consulting to large um, you know co- corporates with. Um, uh, CMO marketing teams or um, agencies that really needed to understand more about the digital platforming side. So a lot of the work was done around consulting those businesses, um, what platforms to choose, um, you know, what was the best way to reach their consumers, how to measure those platforms, how to, um, you know, 
how to pick them from the stack. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, a, it was a really interesting time because it was a lot of change happening in the agency space. A lot of marketers were taking a lot of what they were doing in-house. So it was really helping that transition, I guess, from uh, for marketers who were trying to build their in-house uh, digital teams. Yeah, and obviously a beautiful guide for, for for what you're doing now you obviously got to I mean I think about the type of type of brand that you've launched you've got you've got brand which needs to be really front and center and 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 is super important then you have to actually distribute and you have to market and there's a mm-hmm. there's a there's a hell of a lot that goes into 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 um into your type of business it's not just creating a drink and hopefully selling it it's uh, there's a hell of a lot that goes into it absolutely I mean the biggest thing for me was you know, I I kind of we, I was doing a lot of work um, in Singapore, delivering these training programs and, and consulting work, and that obviously died off when COVID um, hit because I couldn't get to Singapore. And for me, doing an online training course was quite unfamiliar at the time. So I was really quite intent on after having worked in the industry for so long to in, with launching my own product, um, and that's really what drove me to do what I did. It was about being able to take. A product um, you know and, and marketing it using all the experience that I had that I'd learned wanted to use some creativity that I hadn't done in a while by putting together a brand and um, yeah it was that that's really what kind of piqued the interest and I guess coming out of lockdown we were uh, struggling to get uh, reservations at restaurants never mind at bars before or after a, you know um, having a meal and so the idea came that maybe what I could do was create really good cocktails that people could um, drink at home rather than because they couldn't get out or they were going out for picnics or uh, whatever it may be. And that's really, I guess, how the two came together was me trying to create this um, product, get it to market. And then, you know, what was a product that I felt the market needed right then? Yeah, great. And how did you make the decision to um, how did how did you make the decision to 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 kind of um, to actually start? You obviously got you obviously wanted to wanted to kick off for a while. It seems uh, what what gave you the impotence to actually say, okay, I'm going to stop thinking about this and actually go and do it. Um, I guess I was sitting around <laughs> contemplating for a long time. I'd come up with a couple of ideas over the last couple of years, and a lot of them were just ideas that I hadn't really moved into. <clears throat> a proper business plan and um, you know took them to market would talk a lot about it but never really actioned any of it mm-hmm. and I guess I just felt like this was really I just I got excited by it I was excited by the fact that um, I'd sat at night writing down each each cocktail has its own name and has its own story and I'd sat at night and I was coming up with what was my margarita going to be called and then I'd write it down and <clears throat> write up a little story about you know who was tidy margie <laughs> and I think that's what you know it kind of got me quite excited that I I really felt like I had something that I wanted to share with people and I needed to get it into gear. I had everything that I needed to be able to get a business off the ground. So yeah, I just really took the initiative, wrote up a business plan, ran it by a few people, um, came up, just started to learn everything from scratch. I had to learn about contract distilling and all about alcohol rules, what kind of licensing I needed to get, um, how you know you'd mix into large volumes, um, all of that stuff so it was really fun actually because I was learning something entirely new and at the same time felt like I had you know validation of of what I was doing so I guess all of that came together and it just meant that I had um, what I needed to take the product and and launch a business. Yeah if you've got that level of enthusiasm it's almost half the battle isn't it? (laughs) Absolutely I think that's 
I think that's what was always missing before is that I might have been excited by it, but I wasn't necessarily sure how the market would receive it or how was it going to take it to the market. So sometimes it really it takes a few iterations of something for you to get to that point where you know that this is this is the right one. And I'm sure many, many um, entrepreneurs will tell you that. Right? There's, it's never just the first one that comes off the ground. It's, there, there's quite a few uh, stories behind the final yeah, product. There's usually a few failures at the start. And then. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And, um, and uh, this, is a, this, is a, this is a question. You can, you, can, you can tell me the answer or you can make one up. Um, <laughs> how did you go about creating the first batch of, or the first drink? We, um, you know, I've, got a, I've, I've got a friend who's got a, quite a really well-known skincare product and um, you know, they made their first batch in, in their bathtub at home. So um, I'd, love to, <laughs> I'd love to find out um, how you actually made your first batch of, um, of, uh, and, and what the drink was. Sure. Well, <clears throat> what I can tell you is I had a household stinking of tequila for a couple of weeks mm -hmm. and uh, I couldn't smell the tequila, but everybody else was like, oh my God, what is that smell? <laughs> <laughs> so um, it was really the kitchen counter. Um, we, we, I decided to go in with um, a small portion. I had to buy quite a large volume of product and bags and labels and everything to get the business off the ground initially mm -hmm. and before throwing all the money in I thought I'm just going to do um, a small sample set and see how the market takes to it and um, standing around the kitchen bench I week two in I was filling I think 50 bags tonight <laughs> trying <laughs> to get the orders out for the next day so it was a lot um, it went it took off a lot quicker and absolutely I probably wasn't prepared for it because the kitchen bench wasn't the right place for it um, and I'd already had contract distillers lined up who was going to take on the business but obviously you have to commit to a certain volume and, and size so it was quite um, it was probably very much like your friend's skincare brand in that it was you know something like they say they start up start up a garage mine started in the kitchen and mm -hmm. and and now has its own little space in in Brookfells where where we not far from a, a kitchen it's a small little kitchen mm -hmm. but it's uh it's outside of the house and it's yeah it's where we do all the um all the work cool and what um uh, you said you started off really quickly what channel did you use to to sell it originally online so we built an on an online store from from the get go so it was uh from the beginning I guess that was my my experience was obviously built you know digital and how you converted customers in the digital world so I guess that was um, my experience which I thought I would use up front and we built a website and uh, marketed everything through word of mouth on social media platforms so we used Facebook quite a bit um, various different um, community groups Facebook uh, comments from friends who bought the product who posted up um, mm -hmm. Instagram it was very much just a viral social campaign that got the product up and running and yeah cool by the time we'd reached six weeks in we were up to 500 bags in sales so it just really awesome. took off which was very very fortunate yeah what are the um what are the uh, 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 What's the legislation, et cetera, around, um, around you know, advertising booze on Facebook and that type of thing? Is it kind of open slatter? Um, look, you've got to be careful what you say. I mean, you can absolutely advertise alcohol brands. We have struggled having a store on any social uh, media platforms. So typically where you can go and shop, we can't actually have the bottles uh, or okay. the bags uh, listed in there. But as long as they will reject ads if they feel that it's not okay. Um, mm -hmm. So it does obviously use an algorithm. Um, 
we had used something in advertising in the early days where the um, advertising commission contacted us and just kind of walked us through what we could and couldn't use um, even though we thought we were being cheeky and funny apparently that wasn't allowed um, so you learn very quickly <laughs> what you can and you can't do um, and there's there's a lot of um, resources and help really out there for you to be able to you know check yourself make sure that you're doing what's um, okay and accepted out there and you can take chances if you want to but yeah I guess <laughs> Um, there'd be nothing worse than being kicked off Facebook though. <laughs> sorry, there'd be nothing exactly. worse than getting kicked off. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Although, yeah, although at the moment, I don't know. <laughs> <That's what happened. laughs> um, a brand and story seems to be a really important part of your business. Um, mm-hmm. Can you just give me a bit of a rundown on um, probably you said you said you've, you've got an individual story for each each particular um, drink, but just the the brand as a whole. Can you run me through the the type of customers that you guys um, you guys uh, I guess are suitable for and and that you you tend to go after? And then um, probably if you can um, if you can let me know about you know uh, why 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 you've gone down the path of the branding that you've gone down. Absolutely. So. Um, what we've, you know, from the outset, what I wanted to produce was a product that um, I would enjoy if I wasn't sitting in a bar. So what did that need to be? It needed to be clean, uh, it needed to have, you know, good alcohol in it, and it needed to taste like a proper decent cocktail. So uh, that was the the, the that was the base start out. And I wanted to know, I wanted people to know that if they were buying this product, they were really buying what I was selling. So that was really important to me. So we went down the route of making sure we used fresh fruit juice. We um, bought premium alcohol brands. Um, we didn't add any sugar to our margarita or our cosmopolitan. We infused them with flavoring instead. Um, and we used nitrogen uh, in the bags to get away from using any preservatives in the product. So that was very key. So it was about a clean, premium alcohol or cocktail that you could drink wherever you were and second to that was uh, sustainability so you know being having gone away for many weekends away and you know got out on you know for a day on the boat or to a picnic we all know that when we were going out and if everybody's moved to drinking cocktails as opposed to just having a bottle of wine or um or a bottle of champagne I found that in all of those occasions we were carrying several bottles with us and I'm sure everybody can attest to this but over the first lockdown it was about sneaking down the street with trying to empty as many bottles as you can in other people's business <laughs> because it's just all overflowing. a lot <laughs> of bottles exactly and so that was one of the key reasons why we went down the route of the of the bag um, and I really wanted to be able to reduce waste as much as possible um, with you know making the brand as sustainable so we were targeting the, the conscious consumer who wanted to have a clean premium drink at home yeah. um, and so that's been testament to who we've seen buying the product online um, it's it's weighed probably 60 percent female 40 percent male um, and the ages really range anywhere between 25 and 65 so it's a it's a wide ranging category but i would say the the people that are purchasing the product are buying it because of that clean conscious nature and the fact that it actually really tastes like we we say it does we don't skimp on the the content Uh, we make sure that the flavor is true to the flavor of the cocktail and you know a testament to all the reviews that we have across the site and on google we really have delivered what we you know, we have promised. Yeah, that's great. You, um, you know, I don't have to tell you that um, all of the premix drinks out there, there's very few that are, that, there's very few that are of a, of a high quality that you would expect inside a bar or a, a restaurant. So if you can make it um, similar quality to that, then um, half the battle's done. 
Absolutely. And I think that's half the challenge for us is really that we're competing in a space that has traditionally been cheap, syrupy, um, you know, low alcohol versions of what people would assume they're buying. So that's, that is a challenge. And for us, having to use our marketing and our social media to really get that message across is important. And the more people review the product, obviously, the more important that becomes because people want to know that other people have tried it and actually do believe that the product is what it says it is. Awesome. Awesome. So we're as much of a business podcast as we are um, a product podcast. I'd be really interested to, to understand um, how you went about um, the marketing launch of your product. Um, yep. I, I think it's, I think you've obviously had a long history in marketing and, and especially in mm-hmm. digital. Yep. So I think that um, anyone, anyone who's, who's, who's listening to this, they would be really, really interested. You don't have to give away all your secrets, but I'd love to understand, understand, kind of um, the crux of, of what you did to launch the product and, and how you go about um, marketing it on an ongoing basis. Obviously, there's a thousand different things. Um, we know that. But um, yeah, if you could just give us a little bit of background on that, that'd be awesome. Absolutely. So I guess the first get out the door for us really was using social as a tool. We, um, we actually set the website up um, a month before the liquor license in the store launched. So what we did was we, st- we created a a hype around getting on the wait list, making sure you get in there, uh, join the wait list so that you're first to know about the product. There will be limited supply, first in, first, you know, orders get out to them. And that gave us very quickly, we, we built up a database um, sort of over a two-week period that was um, quite large, which meant that on first launch, we already had a database that we could email um, a whole lot of uh, prospects to. Uh, we also use social media in terms of, as I said, Facebook groups and people writing about the products. So we would, um, you know, deliver products to friends and and people that we knew and get them to really post on their network as well as on groups that they were part of. So like community groups within their suburbs or um, bar, sell and swap sites. And they would put up posts just saying, oh, I highly recommend this product. Mm-hmm. And really that would create quite a bit of um, you know chatter across social media so very quickly our social media um, accounts started to grow because you know people were referring to us all over their social media networks there is very much there is the power in uh, referrals so we all know that if um, you know you've got a friend that you trust it's always word of mouth that you're going to go on and you're going to follow and you would typically buy from there so that was that was really the tactic we used was the exclusiveness with the waiting list and then using the social media platforms with um, you know people that we knew to kind of spread the word and you know the first I would say for the first sort of two months uh, that was the only route we really needed to use because the volumes were very quickly coming in orders were coming in quite quickly uh, people were talking about each other so we would get emails from people saying oh a friend of mine recommended and you know we were buying the product as Christmas gifts or whatever it may be um, and so post that we then obviously had to now start to think about how do we actually grow that base and so we email is one of our strongest form of contact so we use that quite readily to run promotions um, and to give sort of new uh, product launches we were fortunate enough to get a lot of PR out of the first sort of um, six months after launch. So we had a couple of great interviews um, on, you know, one on TV, uh, radio interview, and then a couple of really good articles and some big titles, which also then gave us that broader um, uh, access to market. And since then, what we've done is just continue to build on that. So we, we try still to get as much press as we can. We um, constantly talk about uh, new product launches. So we'll probably launch a new product every six weeks. 
Uh, we use our email communications to communicate and we use then social, obviously, as quite a big driver for us. Um, obviously, SEO and uh, search engine marketing is quite key for us too. And one of the, the big, um, you know, free tools really is the um, reviews, reviews and mm. sharing those reviews with your friends, because again, that word of mouth aspect comes from that. And that's really how we grow. Yeah, awesome. I was um, interesting um, what you were talking about at the start there, where um, where a lot of it um, is driven by word of mouth, but you know, um, people posting into the Facebook groups and all that type of thing. I was watching a podcast um, oh, it's probably a couple of weeks ago um, of a, a guy who I, who I watch a fair bit of, and he was talking about this idea of um, what he calls dark social, where mm-hmm. um, where um, you've got all these mechanisms where there's no attribution. So, um, you know, when you're speaking to a friend and you're asking them to write a post up online, you don't know how many people have seen it. Um, you don't know, you, you can't, you can't really track it back that well. Um, mm-hmm. So, so, but it tends to be, um, it tends to be one of the most powerful forms of, 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 mar- of marketing and advertising. Absolutely. I mean, as I said, we, we didn't actually run any ad campaigns through Facebook um, for those first six weeks. We purely used um, the power of email, you know, having generated that waitlist, um, <coughs> excuse me, email um, form and then just using people. Absolutely. And it wasn't once we asked somebody to post, inevitably somebody who got the product, who saw it from them, they also put up a post. So it was it was a really quick way of kind of spreading the word out there without having to ask too many people to do it the word quickly spread on so it was kind of having influences <laughs> that were sort of yeah. building on their own we didn't have to you know go out there and look for those large influences it's you know kind of influencing in your own sort of micro community which um, was very powerful and and I was I was going to say because I had a look at um <clears throat> I had a look at your your kind of timeline of the of the business prior to hopping on the call and mm-hmm. um the um the I, I usually would have said that maybe uh maybe launching a business during COVID might have been a uh, might have been a, an issue but obviously you've turned that around and been able to been able to scale during COVID and one of the positives is the way that you went to market obviously lent itself towards um, the situation that everyone everyone was in. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, it wasn't without its challenges. We obviously couldn't. Uh, we had issues getting stock coming into mm. the country. So, you know, we were very um, adamant that we wouldn't change up. For, for, for example, we, we get all our tequila in these uh, eco vats. They come in 4.5 litres and then they returned once we've used the vats um, and they recycled them. And that was very important to us because what we didn't want to do was use 700 mil bottles to empty out, you know, 200 litres. <laughs> mm. um, and, and that in itself created a challenge in that we were trying to stick true to the products. So it was always hard to get our hands on the products. Um, the other issues we faced was, you know, Australia Post, went into meltdown mode and they everybody did. <laughs> was ordering online. And so we had quite a few, you know, angsty customers who couldn't understand why the products weren't getting to them. I mean, 80% or 90% of the customers were totally understanding, but then you always get, you know, those customers that don't really understand. And uh, that was, that was a, that was a challenge, but through, through most of it, I would say, yes, we were very fortunate. It was a product that was um, clearly going to be used um, in the situation that people were, were in at the time. Um, don't want to say that I was feeding uh, <laughs> responsible for a lot of the drinking that was happening out there during COVID. But we were we were just helping people drink better products whilst they were at home. Put it that yeah, way. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. And the um the, so that's your your kind of direct to consumer um uh, process and 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 mechanism. 
can you can you run me through? Uh, I saw on your website that um, you guys are doing a, a little bit of wholesale now as well. Was that the kind of thing that you wanted to kick off after after COVID, so you could get out and see the see bottle shops and that type of thing? Or absolutely. I mean, I have a, a local IGA liquor um, just up the road from where I was, and um, not long after launching the business, I'd kind of gone up to him and said, "Look, I'd love to trial to see how this works." Got his feedback to see if you know, is it a a product that they would keep in store and he was really instrumental in really giving me the kind of feedback I needed to make sure I had the mm. right product to go into the retail environment and so we went from um, having the 1.5 litre bags to introducing the 750 mil bag because from a format size perspective and price point um, that was a, a product that the retailers would have found more suitable to have um, sort of on the shelves sure. as opposed to the 1.5 litre. So that was great. Um, also understanding what we needed to put on the label so that it could be in a retail environment was quite key. And so that was our first retail outlet and it just it just sold incredibly well through there. So from there, we had a couple of retailers contact us asking if they could stock the product. And so it kind of started out organically, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, we supplied what we could because obviously being in a COVID environment, we couldn't get out to a lot of those stores. So we just supplied them, you know, as we could. So growing the footprint was a little bit slower, but that was only because we were hindered as to being able to get it out there. Um, and then we um, had a great meeting with Dan Murphy's. They loved the product straight off the bat, um, I have to say. It was probably one of the easiest products I've ever had to sell in, which was quite interesting. Because That's very people, interesting. <laughs> yeah, tell you that it's so difficult, but they were incredibly receptive and very supportive. And um, we've just had a great relationship with them actually since since rollout. We rolled out with them in, <clears throat> in December as a uh, local supplier, which means that we um, they, they pick a couple of stores that are in within your local area. Mm-hmm. And once you start to see that footprint um, grow or the product start to successfully um, move in store, we then start to move out to several more Dan Murphy stores and then ultimately we will get to a national level. Fantastic. Which and- is a great way for a you know, business like ours to understand what, what kind of volumes we need, how frequently they need to order, how often we need to be merchandising the product and stuff like that. Yeah, getting thrown in the deep end and going into five or 10 stores off the bat would be a, yep. a, a nightmare um, scale-wise, I'd imagine. Oh, it was. But, it, you know, we kind of had they'd given us six weeks to prep for it, so it was great. Um, we were all ready to go when they did. And, um, yeah, as I say, it's been a great working relationship since then. In fact, all the retailers we work with have been really amazing to work with. Um, the independence, obviously, it's a completely different relationship. And we find that particularly working with the ones in sort of regional areas because people going on holidays typically walk in and, um, you know, buy them off the shelves because they're at yep. the perfect place for it. It's kind of right time, right place. Um, but yeah, it's been uh, it's been a it's been a great journey working with retail. I mean, we've had some pushbacks, obviously, and and some um, large ones that don't feel the format is something customers want to buy. Although we have so much proof otherwise. I mean, we have an online <laughs> store. We have yep. all the data collected for us. Um, but yeah, I think that you know we we always win some and you'll always lose some. And I think you just have to really work with the ones that you've got. And and I guess the success will come from there. For sure. Is yours a refrigerated product when the customer buys it, or is it a, or is it, or is it just off the shelf? Uh, look, initially we we uh, we thought that it needed a refrigeration, but because of the high alcohol level in the product, it just gets it's shelf stable for quite some time. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So some some of the products, some of the stores keep them in the fridges. Some of them keep them on the shelves. They're totally fine. Yep. Cool. And um, yeah, longevity. They have six months, which is great. Um, yeah. Beautiful. 
And what's um and what's next for you guys? You're obviously um, just growing and growing and growing. Um, do you do you do you go and grow your wholesale vertical heavier, or do you go do you go harder online, or are you going internationally? What's uh, what's what's next for you guys? Yeah, so we've, there's a few things. One is um, obviously definitely growing the wholesale side of the business. We have had a lot of interest from uh, large hospitality groups who um, have events or you know, kind of having issues with the short nature of not having staff on board so they don't have an experienced barman. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly if you're going to an event and you've got 50, 100 or 200 people arriving, you know, it's not that easy to just start pumping out, you know, a couple of margaritas or espresso martinis. <laughs> I, I, used to, I used to work. Um, I used to work in functions when I was when I was younger. I worked in okay. fun- I worked in functions and and hospitality for ten years until I yeah. was about probably 23, 24 years of, years of age. And that yeah. when everyone's arriving, that is just the that's yeah. the killer. Uh, the, uh, the, the whole idea of a cocktail on arrival is a nightmare for staff. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we've just produced the perfect solution, right? Because absolutely. That's what, so we found all, a lot of these events have thought, found it incredibly useful. So um, we've also just gone into the 20 litre keg space. So if there is any bars or hospitality venues that want to put us on tap, we've got that available. Same product, no difference, just no bag. And um, it just goes directly into the kegs, same filled with nitrogen and it connects directly to a tap. So that's, that's awesome. I guess, the next growth area for us. And then, yes, we do have two international markets that are um, we're talking to at the moment um, about expanding to. Fantastic. Fantastic. That's um, that's that, that's brilliant. That's a really amazing growth story, and you guys have been alive for what slightly less than two years, right? Yeah, about a year and a half. So wow, that's uh, two years is coming. <laughs> that's a that's a hell of a lot in eighteen months. <laughs> well done. It's been, it's, been a bit, it's been a busy time, but it has been a lot of fun. I think the important part about growing the business is that you're having fun all the time. As soon as you're no. not having fun, then. Then it's time to reevaluate. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Hey, that's um, that's awesome. Thanks so much for your time today. That was um, that was that was a really really good story. Thanks for tuning into Product Hub. This episode was brought to you by Pencil Pay, the world's fastest credit application and payment software for product sellers and their wholesale customers. If you sell products on payment terms, check us out at www.pencilpay.com and start getting paid on time today. I'm your host, Tim Dimitriou. See you next time.